All right, so I do want to mention this is the second recording of this first segment here. Um, first one was not, uh, got lost uploading in the upload process, but, uh, so this is me a bit quicker than the initial one, uh, was about 25 minutes long. This one was probably about 15, but, um, big weekend in college across, um, this episode coming out on Monday, um, after, and well, you know, usually this comes out on Sunday, but um, had a big, big Sunday of lacrosse, so decided to push this podcast back um, to Monday, and uh, even furthermore, after some technical difficulties um, that <clears throat> I just mentioned. So, uh, big weekend on deck uh, that we just had, especially on Sunday, where we saw Brown upset Virginia, <clears throat> and Cornell upset, uh, I mean, Cornell beat Penn State. I don't know if you'd call that an upset or not, but, um, so starting with Brown, and I, I just gotta say, it was the Phil Goss show. Phil Goss, one of the best goalies in the country, <clears throat> and I really feel like it was his, uh, he had 16 saves, I believe it was, his play in this game that really elevated Brown to victory over over Virginia, um, the Cavaliers got up. I believe it was eight to one at one point, or something of that nature. And Brown came storming back. Their offense is is really good. Their attack, they've got some really quality pieces on the attack. Uh, Jack Niffin, uh, D- uh, Dalian Cook, and they they've got some good pieces surrounding them as well. Um, <clears throat> their face off unit, and not just um, Gunty at the face off dot, but. Their entire face-off unit, I said this last week against after they played Providence, and this is their second or third one-goal game um, in the past few weeks. You know, they were in overtime. They lost in overtime to Stony Brook. They lost in overtime to Brown, uh, to Providence, and now they beat Virginia by one goal, 14-13, uh, to 13, I believe, was the final, as they take down the defending champions and the number eight uh, Virginia Cavaliers. This was a. This is the biggest win in Mike Daly's career at Brown. Uh, though beating the former coach in Lawrence Tiffany, um, and really coaching staff as well as uh, Cohen and uh, Sean Cohen and Kip Turner were both on staff there uh, at Brown with Tiffany as well. So humongous victory uh, for the Brown Bears. They take down Virginia, um, and really, <clears throat> I thought. You know, at the end, there was some questionable calls at the end of the game. Uh, there was the the dive that they... It, it, it was a textbook push, but he ended up in the semicircle or the goal mouse. I don't... You know, that's that's an iffy call. I think there's still some gray area with that in terms of a push into the crease versus a dive and land in there. Um, <clears throat> there was the goalie interference that probably should have been called on on uh, Jack Niffin um, on Alex Road as they were clearing... Um, Virginia was clearing, um, and Brown, obviously, I think, the, the one thing that strikes me about, because, about Brown is, like, when you look at the, in, in this game, is when you look at the turnover ratio, they had a ton of turnovers, but they won the game, um, they also, I don't think Gunty didn't necessarily, I wouldn't say he dominated the faceoff dot, but they're able, like, they're, their unit, their face-off unit, is able to get those like gritty ground balls, 
And that's the kind of like that's usually getting those goody ground balls, you know, diving at the end line for for possession. Those are the things that built Virginia. Virginia really built themselves on last year in that championship run, and I think that's still uh, the case this year. But you know, obviously, big big win for Brown. Impressive, impressive game for Phil Goss. Um, <clears throat> going over to this Penn State Cornell game. You know, it was Jeff T, and then uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I always botch the name, but I think it's uh, Podowskis, um, <laughs> is how you pronounce it. Um, Cornell's faceoff guy, uh, but Petrakis, Petrakis, that's how it is. Um, it was T and Petrakis that get the win here for Cornell. Um, <clears throat> in Penn State, you've got to remember. They had some injuries on defense. I think they had two sophomores starting back there. Um, <clears throat> Colby Kinnis, I believe. Don't quote me on this. I believe Colby Kinnis is the and goal is the only returning starter from last year. But um, no, Cornell gets ahead. Uh, the Big Red get ahead, twelve to five, leading into the half. Penn State just pushes on the gas pedal, and they go. Um, straight, they tied up at thirteen thirteen. Um, no, uh, I believe they went on a seven, seven straight run or something like that. Um, to tie it up thirteen thirteen. Um, Penn State did uh, early in the fourth. Cornell is able to answer, but uh, Big Red, I believe they held a six. 16-14 lead, um, like midway through the final period, and uh, Jack Kelly, T.J. Conley, and uh, Mac O'Keefe gets to get three straight, three quick ones. Uh, I believe it was in in a minute or in that time time frame to take a 17 to 16 lead with about three minutes left. Uh, Jeff T, <clears throat> no, he gets that goal. Uh, I think Anish Shroff had the video on. Uh, on Twitter of him just bodying up his defenseman and he gets his hands if Jeff T gets his hands just an inch free, he can and and, and has an angle, that, that ball's going in and that's what happened. And then on the face off, um <clears throat> Cornell they didn't necessarily I wouldn't call it a face off win per se, but they got the, the they got the ground ball and Petrakis just <laughs> goes straight to the house. Um, Penn State's D's late to slide, gets the game-winning goal with eight seconds left. So big win for the Big Red, and that's why they're number two in the country right now. Syracuse number one. Penn State, I believe, drops to seven with this loss. Um, <clears throat> also, on Sunday, we had Villanova get upset by Drexel v. Bowling. Six goals. Um, Jeremiah Cota, I believe, played well at the face-off dot. Um, for the Dragons, Penn was able to escape St. Joseph's thirteen to twelve. Adam Goldner six, um, seven points, five goals, two assists in this one. Uh, Penn also Penn was upset by Villanova on Friday as part of the Philly Four Classic. Both those games were on Sunday as well. Uh, Gogol, uh, I believe is how you pronounce it, um, had six goals for Penn in that loss on Friday. Brendan Dodd had eight points in uh, Air Force's uh, 15-11 victory over Canisius on Sunday. Saturday, we had 
a pair or a couple of rivalry games, Denver-Notre Dame, Princeton and Rutgers, and Syracuse and Johns Hopkins. I'll start with Syracuse. Um, Drake Porter, absolute outstanding performance from him. I thought Ryan Darby for Hopkins played well also in the second half, obviously, um, as Syracuse got out to a 7-1 lead at the end of the first quarter. And then really from the late in the second through the rest of the game, I thought it was pretty even, but Hopkins was never able to come back. And they had some opportunities to do so, but it just was not was not their day. was not their day, um, Hopkins. And you got to be wondering about Petro's job. I know a lot of people are. I wouldn't say it's in jeopardy just yet because there's still a lot of season left to be played. And uh, lacrosse uh, can change pretty quickly um, in this game. We've seen that this year. So I wouldn't go all out on the fire Petro train right now, but it's certainly getting there, especially when you look at Syracuse and Hopkins had, if you want to qualify those as rebuilds, um, then they had a rebuild around the same time. But um, <clears throat> Syracuse beating Hopkins. Princeton beats Rutgers 16-11. to um, I got to give a shout-out to Garrett Bullitt, Rutgers defenseman, held Michael Sowers to one goal, uh, one point, I believe, uh, yeah, it was one goal in the first half. Um, absolute outstanding, matched him feet for feet, uh, but also got to give credit to Jim Mitchell, offensive coordinator for uh, Princeton. He put to, he, you know, made some changes at the half, um, Princeton slowed the game down a bit in the second half instead of trying to go fast like we're used to them seeing. And uh, they really kind of you know, drug out that Rutgers defense um, and was able to get some really good opportunities. Michael Sowers surpassing 300 career points in the win. He had three goals and two assists. Um, Steven Russo, uh, I thought, played well for, for Rutgers in goal, had nine saves. Eric Peters had 10 for Princeton. Uh, the big kind of marker here for Princeton, especially when they started to slow the game down, was Tyler Sandoval having going 17 for 29 at the faceoff dot. Uh, Rutgers just could not get <clears throat> possession when they needed to. Denver 14, Notre Dame 11, and the greatest lacrosse rivalry um, west of the Appalachian Mountains. Um, yes, Appalachian is how you say it uh, for people who live in that area. Um, so I've been told, um, not Appala- not Appalachian. Um, Denver, I thought, played fantastic in this one. I thought Denver really set themselves up for um, what is to be a good game this weekend against Ohio State. I think if they would have lost to Notre Dame, you would have said, okay, this is going to be um, maybe not as important. But Denver, Denver's a good team, y'all. Denver, they're young on defense, and that showed early. But when Alex Stathakis, he won, what, 22 out of 28 or something like that at the faceoff dot, um, <clears throat> you know, I think the lineage of faceoff guys goes Gorenlian, Baptiste, Owen Stathicus. That's how it's going to go at Denver. Um, you know, you can even go further back <laughs> at Denver. Um, go Chase Carrero, um, Louisville, Kentucky native. Got to shout that one out 
um, Trevor Baptiste, Alex Stathakis. You can go in that order as well um, at Denver. Um, he played fantastic. I thought, <clears throat> no, if he doesn't win some of those uh, those draws, I think Notre Dame could have come back. And you saw they were able to uh, late in the game, but they just did not have enough energy in them. Um, Notre Dame, I thought um, Liam uh, Etienne, uh, <clears throat> Liam Etienne, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name, um, played fantastic in golf for Notre Dame, um, especially in the in the first half of the game. Um, but he got pulled in the third, um, and Matt Schmidt comes in. Um, Liam Intiman, that's his, um, played good. Uh, Jack Thompson played well for Denver, twelve saves for the Pios. Uh, but the story of this game was Denver's offense and. It was Stathakis and Denver's offense, and I think Notre Dame's offense, they showed a lot as well. Um, <clears throat> and they showed a lot against Richmond. They've shown a lot this year, but I think this is kind of... Both offenses really um, had a coming-out party in this one, even though Notre Dame did lose um, You know that trio uh, for Denver of uh, Simmons, Walker, and Jack Hanna. That that's outstanding. Like I don't, I, I you're gonna be hard pressed to find a better offensive unit of of some younger guys um, in the country than those three, um, Walker and Simmons. In particularly, I thought played fantastic in this one. Um, and you know, you know when you watch it, when you watch a team, you watch a guy, you're like, no, that just different, like. Th- those dudes are just different. Like as shooters, as passers, they they're just different. Like they can, they really have a skill set. Um, and Denver is definitely a team, the team in the Big East this year. Um, we'll see. Well, I don't want to say the team yet, but uh, because Georgetown is six and zero after playing some measly measly competition this fall, so we'll see how they do. Um, I believe they play UNC this weekend, so that'll be a big one. Um, as far as the Big East is concerned. And Notre Dame, you know, Wheaton Jack of Boys, I thought played well. Um, the Notre Dame defense, someone asked me the question, they said, is the Notre Dame defense <clears throat> all it's jacked up to be? You know, I think there is a bit of a regression from Jerry Bone, from the Jerry Bone era as defensive coordinator um, to now. I can't remember who the DC is now. Um, is it Wellner? I think it's Ryan Wellner. Um, and I think there's a bit of a, of a regression now, but I don't, it's not, it's not bad. I don't think this defense is as cracked up as people made it to be. I do like Edmund, uh, Etiman and, uh, Schmidt and Goal. I think both guys you could put in there and they'd have success. Uh, I, you know, Notre Dame's going to be fine in the ACC. Are they a top ACC team? Uh, I, I I really don't know at this point in the ACC so so um, talented that you can't really put you know a team as a top two team this early on in the season, um, but definitely Denver looked like the better team offensively and really ripped through that de- uh, that Notre Dame defense at times, especially in the second and third quarter um, of this game. But that that Notre Dame defense is definitely though not bad. But they're not, maybe not as good as people thought they were. But again, we'll see how things roll 
from there. Uh, some other notable scores from Saturday include Duke beating Loyola 13-10. Uh, Duke had a 7-1 halftime lead. Dyson Williams had five points in the game. Ohio State takes down Hofstra. Josh Kosen has 19 saves in that one. Um, Delaware and Matt DeLuca beat Marist. Uh, DeLuca had 13 saves in cage, uh, but the trio of JoJo Pereka, Jake Wienerman, and JoJo and Joe Tierney for Marist um, lit up the scoreboard once again. Uh, but again, Matt DeLuca's play in cage proved to be the difference maker in that one. Mount St. Mary's taking down Utah 11 to 10. Brendan McCarthy with five points for the Mount. Vermont handed Dartmouth their first loss of the season. So we only have, I believe, four undefeated teams left this season. Uh, the Catamounts took down the Big Green 9-8 to eight at home. Um, then in a battle of first-year coaches, Jerry Byrne at Harvard and Andrew Baxter at Fairfield. Harvard beats Fairfield 15-12. to 12. The Crimson had nine different goal scorers in that one. Also, I do want to mention that Bucknell and Boston U, that game was canceled over concerns of um, illness on the Boston U team. Um, I have, you know, they have come out and said it is not the uh, coronavirus. And, you know, Boston was an area of concern. Um, but it was, it was not that. I believe those players are uh, healthy once again. Um, or the concern is out. Um, so they're looking to make up that game. Obviously a conference game. And I, I think I did hear on, I believe it was Inside Lacrosse reported that it should be played maybe um, early this week. So maybe a Tuesday night game, uh, possibly. And that is a conference game. So you're going to want to make that one up. Uh, so uh, everything is fine there, and in uh, Boston, you and Bucknell. Also, uh, do want to mention <clears throat> some other uh, upsets this weekend outside of Division One. Uh, we did see Lenore Line. Takedown Limestone, who was the Limestone, is the defending division. Oh no, yeah, yeah. Limestone is uh, were they in the championship last year? I know Merrimack won it, I believe they might have been in the championship last year, um, or in the semifinals for sure. Uh, but they look to be the division two champions this year. This year, Line took them down. On Sunday to add to the chaos, um, and then also forgot to mention uh, the Villanova upsetting Penn on Friday. That was a really good one, uh, and the uh, the the Quakers obviously bounced back on Sunday. Villanova did not continue that success, and Villanova continues their trajectory of up down, up down, up down inconsistency at Villanova. As usual. So I do want to end the show talking a bit about, and I'm not going to call it 
contenders and pretenders because we are in March. I think that's still too early uh, to to list teams as contenders and uh, pretenders uh, for championship weekend. But I, I do want to talk about some teams from what we've seen kind of through the first month or so of the season, which teams might have a a chance at uh, championship weekend, which teams are kind of in that realm at the moment. And again, things can change drastically from now until May, and they will change drastically, um, whether it's on a, a national scale or, or on a conference scale as well. Uh, but the first team I do want to talk about here is Syracuse. They are the number one team in the country at the moment. Cornell is behind them at number two. So I do think Syracuse, the thing about the the, the Orange that do concern me is their health on the defensive end. Um, Peter Doth, short stick defensive midfielder, and Nick Mellon were both out against Hopkins. Now that was fine against Hopkins. They are at Rutgers this weekend. I don't expect them to have any any trouble with Rutgers, but I do want to say that you know, um, you know those two injuries. While I do expect them, I believe Desco uh, has even said that he expects both of them back uh, will not be out all season long. It does bring up kind of a point of. Okay, if they are out for the if if how long are they going to be out, <clears throat> and will it affect their play? Um, and I think you know you saw against Hobart that the Syracuse defense maybe isn't all that's cracked up to be, uh, but that's against Hobart, who is averaging just a ridiculous number of goals per game. Uh, they only have two games where they have not scored at least twenty goals this season. And one of them was to, uh, excuse me, one of them was to Syracuse as uh, the Orange won 21-13. So Syracuse, I do think, with Scanlon, Tromboli, Rafis, Curry, Dordovic, Cook, Lipka, Quinn, <laughs> like Buttermore, they, they have all this talent. They've shown a lot of depth on the offensive end. That And uh, I, I think a lot of things are going right for, for Syracuse right now. If they stay at that top spot all season long, uh, I don't think that's going to be the case, but I do think they're definitely uh, one of the best teams in the country, if not the best right now. And, you know, people seem to think they are the best being at number one. <clears throat> now, the the, the the second team in kind of this, I think there's two tiers in terms of guys, teams that may be um, on, in that realm of championship weekend caliber at the moment. I think you have the... Top two, which I I would put as uh, as Syracuse, and I I really don't know the other team that I'd put in there, but I do know there's probably five six teams that are in I would put in this realm of possible contender at the moment from what we've seen so far: Syracuse, Yale, Maryland, Penn State, Duke, and Virginia. I think I'd put Yale in that in that conversation with Syracuse um, up there. Cornell, I just I want to see for Cornell and Princeton 
and North Carolina. I think they're both great teams. They're two, three, and four in the country right now. But I want to see more of them, not necessarily offensively, but defensively um, against some tougher um, opponents. Cornell has Yale this weekend. That'll be uh, very telling. Princeton, who do they play this weekend? They play they play Penn. That's going to be a telling game as well. Uh, UNC has Bryant on Tuesday and Georgetown on Saturday. So this is going to be a big weekend for maybe that second tier of group of teams uh, when I'm talking about possible championship weekend contenders. Now, uh, going to Yale... I I don't necessarily I'm not sold that they will be in the title game. I'm not even sold that they will be. I'm not as sold on them as I am on Syracuse or Maryland or Penn State or even Duke and Virginia. And the reason being is their depth on offense and not necessarily the entire offense, but just the fact that look at like so Matt Brandau had six goals against. Michigan. There were only two goals that came from the midfield. None of the midfielders, I know they've only played one, two, three, only four games so far, but only, like, they have no midfielders that have registered double-digit points this season, like, overall. It's all the attack. So I do think there is a bit of an issue there with, excuse me, the attack it being too much of an attack-heavy offense. I like Chris Fake on the defensive end. I think their defense is, is, is solid, and we've seen that. Obviously, T.D. Irwin and Joe Newman at um, at the faceoff dot is a dynamic duo there. And then in goal, Jack Starr made his first start over the weekend. Brody Wilson has shown um, he started the first couple games, and he showed uh, some really good... Good stuff in cage. So I do like Yale, but I don't think they're... I'm not putting them as a lock, but I do... Because of how they've played and who they've beaten, I put them kind of in the middle between Syracuse and the rest of the pack here, who I'm about to, who I'm about to talk about. Um, and I'd put Penn State in that group as well, um, even though they do have two losses. But again, it is March, people. Penn State... Um, and I'll go right into that, talk about Penn State. Penn State, they had some injuries uh, over the weekend on the defensive end uh, when they lost to Cornell, 18-17. to Their offense really has proven that they can strike in an instant. This is the second time in a row that they've really gotten down and had to come back and, but still lost the game. They did that against Yale and against Cornell. Um, I cannot exactly remember how that game against Penn went down but they did get the win. Um, so I, I think I do think there is some concern on Penn State in terms of um, defensively how quickly they can get things going. Other than that, I don't really have much problem with them. Um, and again, like at the face-off dot, <clears throat> if they have success there with Gerard Arcelli, um, I think they can beat anybody in the country. Colby Kinnis has quietly been one of the best goalies in the country this year. Obviously, we know what they have on attack and at the midfield um, with Jack Kelly. Uh, Kevin Hill has been good this season. Um, Dylan Folds is probably the best shooter, um, best off-ball player in college across right now. 
Mac O'Keefe, probably the best shooter. Grant Ament, probably the best passer. TJ Malone, he's a guy that can do a whole, uh, can be dangerous in a multitude of ways. So <clears throat> we'll see Penn State. Uh, they play, who they play this weekend? They play Foman on, yep. Yeah. They play Foman uh, on Tuesday, and then they will face Lehigh next weekend, uh, so in two weeks before starting Big Ten play against Maryland. Um, and I'll move, I'll go right into talking about Maryland here. And I think you can put Maryland, Duke, and Virginia in a similar um, kind of realm here because. All three teams have really run a lot of different guys this year. I think Duke's probably run more than the other two. But uh, Maryland, they're a deep team. They're, they're fairly deep. Uh, their defense, they might have won the transfer portal with Chris Brandau coming in <clears throat> in goal. Um, I know he hasn't started every single game, but he's looked very good. Nick Grill coming over from Marquette uh, as a pole. And then... Their offense with Wisnowskis, uh, Bernhardt, and DeMeo kind of leading the way there. Uh, Daniel Maltz, I almost said Dylan Maltz. Uh, Daniel Maltz has has played well as a freshman. Bubba Fairman. No, I think next year Fairman, as you know, he has 11 points so far this season, hasn't really been as effective as maybe some would have liked, but I do think Fairman. Um, Next season, I think, will be kind of not necessarily his coming out party because he's had success in the past, but I think next season when you have Bernhardt gone, um, Fairman, I think, is going to be... Fairman and Wisnowskis, that's going to be a dangerous midfield to watch um, next season, and it's already dangerous this year as well. Kyle Long, a sophomore, he's been playing well for them. Um, at, you know, at the face-off dot, <clears throat> I think... Maryland, you know, I, you know, Justin Shockey has been good. I wouldn't say he's been great, uh, but Maryland, they always seem to find a way to do it in May, and that's one of the big reasons why I never, ever count out a John Tillman-coached Maryland Terrapin team. Um, <clears throat> and then these next two teams here in, in my not-contenders contenders thing, uh, realm here is Duke and Virginia. And, you know, Virginia, we talked about them coming off that loss against Brown. Um, they, you know, they're the defending national champions. They play Maryland this weekend. That is that is going to be a big test for them and for the Topes as well. Um, Virginia, you know, and I don't even think I mentioned this, but um, Cade Sostad was not in, in, in the game. He did not play against Brown. Uh, Kyle uh, Kologi uh, was really the only experienced defenseman that played in that contest. Alex Rhodes, Grayton Cage, Petey LaSalle, Justin Schwank are, are a good one-two punch at the face-off dot. But Virginia, they've got to start to hash some things out on the defensive end. And I think um, Duke is in that same kind of situation with JT Giles Harrison leading that defense. is obviously uh, probably the best defenseman in the country, at least in my book. Um, and so, you know, both those teams are in similar situations, but I do like, uh, defensively, I do like, um, what, I like J- J- uh, Jared Connors as well, 
Ellison for uh, Virginia. He's probably the best player in the country. Um, you know, low key on that one. Um, he can do it all. He's a Swiss Army knife um, kind of player. Matt Moore, Michael Klaus, Peyton Cormier, redshirt freshman. Really leading the way on the attack for this Virginia squad. I do want to see them get more productive at the midfield. I think that's coming. That's going to come with time. Um, Doc Aiken, obviously one of the best midfielders in the country, possibly, arguably. Jeff Connor, Peter Garner, a freshman. Um, and then Reagan Quinn, also uh, doing some good stuff there at the uh, defensive mid- at the midfield spot. Um, and, you know, the defensive midfielders, I think, you know, they, they, they've rotated a bunch of them. Um, so we'll see. Uh, and Duke is in a similar situation. I believe Duke's run three midfields this season all year. Um, <clears throat> and when you got a freshman like Dyson Williams that's ripping it up, um, you got Turner Upgren. I don't think he's had his best season in cage, but he's certainly not horrific. Um, Owen Caputo is a sophomore as well uh, at the midfield as their second-leading scorer for the Blue Devils. So having that youth really stepping up now, um, champions are made in May. And so are stars. Lacrosse stars are made in NFL stadiums. Yeah, I can't remember where I saw that, but it's the best line of all time. It's so true. Um, and teams like Duke and Virginia and Maryland, who are very deep and have deep rosters that run a lot of guys early, those guys really step up late in May when they need the most. So that's really why those those couple teams are really in pretty high on those teams right now. Even if they aren't looking... Uh, like champions right now, uh, nobody looks like a champion in March. Um, not even, well, last year, who was it? Uh, Penn State was number one for all those weeks. Uh, Yale was number one for all those weeks, and they did win the championship. Uh, that's an outlier. <clears throat> some other teams maybe that are, and I'll end with this here, some other teams that are maybe impressing right now that I think have a chance to get up there. I mentioned Princeton and UNC. I want to see a bit more from them. Georgetown, I you know they haven't really played the toughest competition to date. So that's why they're getting a little they're getting snubbed a bit, even being six and zero. Uh they play UNC this weekend, so we'll see how things go there. And then they get into uh conference play at Marquette and that one against Denver will be a big one. Um, And Denver also is a team that I'm pretty high on right now after what they did last weekend against Notre Dame. Um, We'll see how things shake out. They have a big matchup against Ohio State this weekend. Expect them to roll Towson. Then, as mentioned, at Georgetown and at Villanova back-to-back weeks for the Pios. That's going to be a tough one for them. Um Villanova, I feel, and speaking Big East here, Villanova, I'm not, I think they have all the potential in the world, but they've got to stay consistent. If they can't stay consistent, you know, nothing's ever going to happen um, for them. I think Penn is in a similar boat as well um, in the Ivy. <clears throat> and certainly UMass coming out of the CAA is what I would expect now after seeing what they've done the past few weeks um, and how good they have been. Uh, so that is it, guys, for this episode of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast, College Lacrosse Weekend uh, 
uh, recap show. As always, check us out social media at Workhouse Bucket on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Tanner underscore Dimling is my personal WorkhouseBucket.com where it's always Workhouse season. <laughs>